It's time to go into auto reverse with Tony and Matt, where we look at bands that were underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week we're going auto reverse on Susie and the Banshees. So Tony, with Susie and the Banshees, this is where I'm going to admit that I is this is a uh, you know a band that I know of, but I don't know much about. And so there's a lot about, but you know during this course of you know the the auto reverse process, which is you know I think when you first mentioned this, I listened to like four songs. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this because I couldn't really get into <laughs> I couldn't really go into it. I was just like, eh. And then like a couple months later. I started listening to it more, and I really started to dig it. And I, and I think there was a bit of it where I had to put it on shuffle, to where it had to go uh-huh. all around a little bit to really appreciate um, just the the the. Well, there's you know there's obvious when you read their backstory. There's the longevity that you you you, you give them the, you give them the props about, but also just the the range of sounds and things and the journey that they took musically is pretty pretty impressive and it was something that it was slow granted but it was something where I came to where I was really enjoying listening to the play, playlist I, I had to listen to songs three or four times and you know kissing for me was got a little tiresome at times but um you know it the, the, the appreciation of the band as a whole and her uh grew immensely so first of all thank you for that because I you know I I was literally okay with like just casting that aside and not doing it but <laughs> yeah, it, w- it went from the filing cabinet to now us recording it, which uh, I, I, I'm i happy about. Like when you told me that you didn't want to, the, you know, initially when I did the playlist months ago, uh, you didn't want to do it. I wasn't I wasn't like upset or disappointed. I mean, maybe I was a tiny bit disappointed, but I think I think you coming back around to it was made me it psyched me up. But it also is in in the sort of like direction that we've been talking about in recent weeks about putting more um, female fronted or female uh, artists on the on the show. We've done quite a bit, and and it's as it turns out, our numbers on female fronted um, or female artists are actually r- very high. So it, this is like sort of like a. a uh, a combination of things of like uh, us like reassessing us yeah you our know, board uh, our, the, the auto reverse board came to us and says you know looking at the numbers <laughs> you guys need to put more females on there because obviously we can get more sponsorship because of these we're getting higher numbers with the females so get stop you know put down the budgie and the you know the, male, <laughs> the, the, the cock rock stuff and go get some yeah. uh, well I, well I also have, I don't need a board to tell me. I have Nicole here to tell me, like, you need to put more <laughs> girls on there. So I don't need the board. But uh, but I, it's funny. Like, I kind of want to take this conversation from the thing that you said at the beginning here of your statement that the song Kiss Them For Me annoys you and got it kind of got a bit annoying. Well, you have I think four versions. A, I, you have four versions yeah, on the play. I got to take, I got to bring it down to one. I, I don't know why I did that, but I, I, it's funny because I looked at the playlist. Uh, today, after not looking at it for months, and I was like, "Why did I fucking put you four know what versions?" The thing was, when I put it on shuffle, I kept hearing it. I'm like, "Why in the fuck yeah, do they I, keep I'll, playing it?" And I'll... then I went and I was like, "Oh, he's got 
seven versions of that song out there. It makes sense. Like, don't, coming up don't worry. I'll go and do that edit at the same <laughs> time. I'm trying to fucking shave down that Millie Jackson uh, playlist of five and a half hours. So uh, that, I'll which, do it at the same time. Which I've been listening to as well. <laughs> that that has been. It's like it's funny because we because I was working on Alice Coltrane. Uh-huh. And I, put uh-huh. that, I actually put that up too this morning, but it was like that was like going from like something that could have easily gone ten hours, because she has some rather long, you know, as most jazz has some rather long songs. So getting it down to, I think I got down to three, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so I, I'm glad that you brought up Kissing for me because it, it was a single in '91, so it was kind of like after their, you know, their their peak. Like right. even though that was their biggest single. It reminds me sort of the trajectory that The Cure had. So The Cure and Susie both started in the late 70s. Right. Uh, kind of an outcropping of punk, but then became more like uh, central figures in the post-punk movement. Both bands did. Right. And then new, and then into New Wave and, and, and even goth, uh, goth stuff. And even now, and even into the late 80s, early 90s, like sort of what they started calling alternative rock. Right. But... Uh, so, so the reason I bring bring that up is because The Cure also had a hit in the early '90s called um, uh, what is it? Something Sunday. Ugh, I can't remember the song. I always hear it on the radio here. It's uh, it's oh. like a later um, Sunday come I'm in, uh, Wednesday. It's like the, he's yeah, going through the days yeah. of the week, and dun, I dun, fell dun, in love dun, on dun. Sunday. Yeah, 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 yeah. So both, so both that song and Kiss Them for Me. Are not my favorite songs of theirs, but those right. are the songs that made them alternative rock right. staples. It's sort of like it's sort of like the, you know, right. all the work they did in the '80s finally paid off, and and that's an interesting place to start. Is that it? Kind of like once they put out those singles, it kind of like was over in a way, even though they were their biggest singles because. The thing about Susie, the thing about the Cure and Robert Smith, is there. I think they're idealistic. I think they believe in the quality of their work right. and 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 songwriting and recordings. Uh, and this is and this is why I always love Susie because, like as as time goes on, I keep going back to the different records. Whether it's the Scream, which is the first record which right. I found on the street. Uh, somebody was throwing out records. I found that that album on the street. Um, whether it's that or whether it's uh, Kaleidoscope or even like Tinderbox, which is where um, was was the f- my first exposure to Susie because that had uh, Cities and Dust on it, and that right. was a big video on MTV in right, right. in '84 or whatever. So, so this this is where I, this is why I always wanted to cover them is because they have that you know, that desire and consistency to constantly do new stuff, uh, uh, to mess around with technologies, like whether it was the synths or right, right. or whatever, or explore sort of like more like cultural things. So, you know, kind of like bringing in like, you know, more Middle Eastern sounds and things like, and things like that, which to me, that's more punk rock than you know yeah just, and a lot of know. bands seem to do that from that scene too like kind of yeah, yeah. In that direction and, and, and it was funny you were mentioning robert smith because i you know i was reading up and i didn't know that he, he played uh, guitar on tour with uh susie and the banshees for one tour i think it was after the joint hands tour or for the joint hand tour he played uh, guitar with them and then after yeah, that cause they didn't have they didn't ha- they yeah. didn't have anybody yeah. to that they were happy with so and they were tight so he just like joined in and then as soon as 
they did that tour, he went back to doing the Cure stuff. And it's funny too because, like in the early '80s and even like right before, like right before Cities and Dust, like I'd always see pictures of Robert Smith, Susie, and Severin, Steve Severin, always right. together. Like they were, like those two bands, like the Cure and Susie, were all, to me, you know, they weren't the same band, obviously, but they, right. they were like. You know, it was that part of that that scene where it's like there were these three or four super um, progressive bands that were creating this sound and and using sort of doing the post punk thing, which was more experimental, like like bringing in those elements of like kraut rock and, right. and stuff from the seventies, and then combining it and making it more palatable and bringing it into like the sort of new wave or you know. Uh, scene again. These are all names and titles that writers have, uh, you know, uh, given these bands. So you could say it's not worth all that much, but this is just a way to like kind of keep the conversation going and identifying things. What do you think? Other, you know, other than her, obviously her vocal styles. What do you think differentiates like Susie and the Banshees from that that crowd that came out of the like punk community that kind of went more towards synth? and such like what do you see like you know whether it's the cure or some of the other bands like what do you think that because their sound kind of i mean their sound evolved a lot more once they it would because i think it was more forced a little bit by the times but it seemed a little bit by members of the band you know going especially guitarists like when they went from uh, uh what's his name mick uh, mcgoch how do you say his name yeah john mcgo john mcgo mcgo McGow. I'm sure English people know how to pronounce it better than me. Mago, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it seemed like because like I think of the albums that I listened to, like I really like Juju, and I think it was maybe because of his yeah. guitar playing, like that was a really. Uh, but like back to my question is like what like for you what differentiated was it simply as simple something as simple as just her voice and her and how what her presence and what she brought yeah emotionally to the band. I think that's a big. I think that's a big. Thing. her and her voice and her presence is i would say is number one i'm not i uh you know that's right up there up front you know it's easy mm -hmm. to identify but the second thing i think and what always it fascinates me about any band whether regardless of genre what period they, they made records in is a sort of um psychedelic um component like you know, uh, a lot of times post-punk stuff is sort of identified with more angular, you know, like sharp, icy kind of sounds, right? right. But something about Susie was more psychedelic. It was softer. And it didn't, and it really, like, when they did their cover of Dear Prudence, that, really, that actually was a way to, like, that really proved that point in a in in a very obvious way, obviously. But right. uh, but if, you know, it's uh, it's her, and it's the psychedelic psychedelic tinge of their sound. I think that's what to me set them apart.
like the thing, like I, I think that did turn me off, and I don't, you know, I know a little bit was kissing for me because I, that was one song I most identified with them, and I kind of brought that baggage of not liking that song into the thing. Yeah. But I think that also is like I, I really prefer much, you know, I, I'm not, I, I couldn't get into their covers. Their covers just seemed like they were doing covers. Like there wasn't anything I thought they brought to it. It just seemed, especially her vocals, seemed like very copycatish of what you know I'm, I'm not trying to take a shit on it i'm just trying to say like the things that i appreciate about them was when they did their own kind of stuff because it seemed very unique and very singular in a way that i, I really identified and really enjoyed listening to when they i felt myself like after just hearing one of the couple of the covers a couple of times i was just like i can't like this is there's nothing interesting about this i mean did you do you find that like especially like dear prudence like i was like like what? Like what? What about that is? I don't know. I think I think you're I think you're you're right for the most part, but I think you have to like kind of you got to have context in that statement. So okay, when I first heard Dear Prudence, their cover of it, I wasn't a fifty-three-year-old, you know, been there, done that kind of person. I was like a what's that? I'm fifty-two and a half. Okay. <laughs> I'm 53. Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't, um, I, I didn't have that baggage. So like I was like 17 or something right, when I right. heard that song. So I thought it was new and fresh. Fair, you know, like, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So I just used that context to, it, you know, I was more forgiving um, of these sort of things <laughs> than I am now. Than I am now now yeah, I'm yeah. More, a little bit more specific in what I like, although I am open minded about yeah, I mean, Whatever, like people I've, trying to do stuff. But. Yeah, like I heard, like they get, like for example, like I love the Yankee Pops on Passenger, and mm -hmm. and but it was like it was like when the first couple chords of it, I'm like, oh, this is Passenger, and I hadn't heard you know the song before. So again, it's like they seem to have like a wildly creative aspect to their band, but it just like it seems like they they didn't that wasn't applied to these songs other than her voice being different than you know whatever. Yeah, I I, te I I think I agree with you. I don't think they re completely repurposed uh, and reinvented these covers. I th I think they just all they did was lay their style, their right. specific style on top of the song. It was more, but it was definitely like generally they weren't, you know, they weren't changing the arrangement of the song or anything. It was just like it was just them doing that, you know, um, but. I don't know. I think for me, like with with Susie, it's just you know she. I just see her as like kind of like someone like Christy Chrissy Hind or just who's very like you know her or PJ Harvey or just very unique, very driven, like you know just strong, you know like knows who she is and i love and i love that and there's an assertiveness the, for sure music. you're right there's an yeah it comes through in the music yeah. you know it really comes through and um and you know these are these are things that i'm constantly looking for i'm i'm happy that i discovered it as a kid you know as a teenager but i'm also i'm usually i'm happy too when i discover these these artists later in life as well or reassess them later in life and i think that's what we're doing here we're just reassessing well, yeah, someone say, that we weren't on the same page about well, yeah and i think that's through the old autoverse 
auto reverse kind of prism of like what about this band because like we like is this worth talking about or not and and I, I you know I do enjoy you know take getting my get, t having my opinion kind of pushed around about bands because I did have a very special and most of you know most of us did in our 20s and teens and 20s and a little bit in our 30s because there's that carryover of just like I don't like that shit and you just and yeah that, and that's yeah. and that cement kind of hardens um not all the way but you know I, i'm and i'm glad that you know again like the playlist was very in, instructive to me and just how much uh you know how not only their output but just the this the range and their there's you go from being a like a very straightforward kind of almost punk band to really kind of making these really beautiful songs uh, and moving, you know, moving her voice around to kind of adjust to all these, to show that kind of flexibility, um, or not really flexibility, but dynamic, and have it re represented by these guys who are just a really, I mean, that's a really just tight band as well. Um, oh, did yeah. you ever get to see oh, yeah. them live? They were one of those bands I never got to see. I saw The Cure, I saw New Order, I saw Sisters of Mercy. I saw, you know, I saw it go to the Bunnymen multiple times. Uh, I saw Depeche Mode. I saw a lot of these bands, but I never saw them. So I couldn't give you a, an did, assessment they, of so what they were like live. Can you recall if, like, did they were they more a opening band or were they? Did, when you, they were no, like, no, no, no. They were like they were their own thing. Yeah, they were like a, they were like a. They were a headlining band who tended to play like theaters and stuff. Not and, and but also played slightly smaller venues. I guess as their career like fluctuated, right. but they generally were like they were up there in the pantheon. Like if like like the big like four or five bands like Echo like you know Echo right. the Bunnyman, The Cure. Uh, they were right up there. Like anytime they came through town, I remember them playing basically the same venues although i think the cure got the biggest in some ways because i remember seeing the cure at radio city uh so um i think and depeche mode got huge too like so there were bands that kind of elevated yeah. like maybe crossed over a little bit more and i don't think Susie really did um Susie like had her like i said had her biggest hit in 91 and was part of that the uh, what do you call it? Um, like they were one of the band, one of the first bands to play on Lollapalooza. I think they either oh, played yeah? the first Lollapalooza or the second. Yeah. So it's like they were they were beneficiaries of this sort of like like what the eight. So the eighties were new wave, post punk, and stuff, and then the nineties were alternative rock. They were the beneficiaries of that change. Gotcha. Uh, but they, you know, on college radio and such. But um, but yeah, they they were they were always. They were like sort of consistently playing the same sort of mid to sometimes bigger venues. Right. They were always there. Uh, and, you know, in terms of like, you know, I remember goth, like the sort of goth style and fashion. Like they were the. Yeah, right. Like Susie was yeah. the fucking, like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. she was like the Marilyn Monroe of that scene. And, uh, and I remember like seeing girls that looked exactly like her. Like right. the same, wore their makeup the same, wore their hair the same. And, uh, you know, so it was more than just music. It was also like a style thing. Marilyn Monroe, huh? 
Yeah, you know what I mean. Just like iconic, like you right. know, you, you know, know, just. I'm I just, I, yeah. just I, I want to see if you could push that back a couple more errors. Uh, yeah. Carol I Lombard. Mean, I, I only brought, I only bring up Marilyn Monroe because I saw a movie with her recently where she barely had any makeup on. It was one of her last movies. Yeah, she's like Misfits? she's like they're trying to. I, I think so. Where they're trying to like hunt, Clark Gable? like hunt down do- uh, horses or something. Yeah, I think that's the one with Clark Gable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's Eli it. Wallach. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and I love that movie. Yeah, and I love the way she Arthur looked. Miller, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, I love the way she looked in it. So I was like, that's been on my mind uh, recently. So, but I use her. I just I'm just trying to say that that Susie was iconic in terms of her image as well. Right, right, right. And I, you know, I was trying to think like why, because I, I didn't have such a resistance to the cure, um, I and I, you know, it's a new order and some, and you know, I don't, and I was trying to try to figure out, just trying to get back and why I had such a disconnect with this, with her and this band, and I just, I just think that 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 was a peripheral interest, like you know, you have those bands that you're aware of. But you don't sink your teeth into, and especially when yeah. you're younger, you're it's all about sinking your teeth into a scene. Um, yeah. And mine was more, you know, rock. So I I was that, and maybe a little punk stuff, but mostly just the harder stuff. I really like metal, and that is really what I sunk your teeth into. It's like there, you know, it's that you don't have that kind of mature. Few have that. It's I don't. It's a little bit of maturity, obviously, but it's a little just kind of have kind of foresight into just like you know there's other music that you could take in and that kind of curiosity to go beyond it was like there's always a curiosity within like you know this scene of like metal like oh i haven't heard of you know i haven't heard of Am- oh cactus who's cactus who's anvil you know it's like that, those kind of things where you're where you're you're already bought into the thing but the peripheral bands like the cure and stuff like i they they were kind of like miss you know like mixtape exposure like i would hear on friends t- you know someone was giving me a ride i'd hear it on their thing and go oh who's this okay cool and you know but uh you know it's it's different it's like yeah, i think that's one of the the biggest benefits like you can take a shit on spotify and all this stuff as much as you want but you can get turned on to all kinds of different music and it's right there like you any time someone mentions a different a band that, that they recommend like I, I don't have to go to a store I don't have to mail order I think it's one of the greatest things about it is that that um, you have like a thousand ports that you can dock your boat into with, mm-hmm. with music these days and if it's not on Spotify you can go on YouTube and you'll find the full album there so it's you know it's such a you know I guess what I'm saying is like the diff the, the shift on how you digested music when we were younger to where how you can do it now and obviously it benefits us because we're at the stage where you know we want to learn we were kind of we're trying to catch up on the all the jazz that we missed uh and and then catch up on all this stuff that we didn't deep dig into as deep as we probably wanted to yeah i exactly and uh, this new technology streaming technology allows you to 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 explore that stuff like in a sort of seamless way i think what kept us from exploring all that back in the day is it was such a physical, like music was such a physical commodity um, that it was hard to, to, it was expensive and hard to, to be so experimental and, 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 and curious 
Um, and for me, it was worse because I was one of these maniacs that would commit to a subculture, like whether it was new wave or heavy metal or rap, I right. would commit, I would commit to that subculture and I would put on the clothes and the hair and do the haircut and, the, right. you know, I would do the whole thing. And so it, that in some ways kept me from being a little bit more uh, flexible about moving yeah. uh, moving around. I think it, wa it wasn't until the 90s where I um, started to, even though I was still part of different subcultures in the 90s, like rap and like right. stoner rock and all this other shit, uh, like I like w started to like, you know, buy like every Isley Brothers record, you know, thing like start. I started to think beyond the 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 genres and 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 the limitations of like sticking in one genre um but yeah in the 80s it was hard man you were like part of a you know well, for, for me of, at least speaking for myself like i would commit to that subculture and that would be it but also exposure it's like you got i think you were taught you made a really good point about the physical aspect it's like you didn't find out even that part you couldn't figure out find out about people unless they were sometimes opening up for the band that you went to go that's see. right and you'd be that's like who right. the fuck are these guys and like holy shit and you'd buy their you know t-shirt and their tape and you'd be you'd be set and you're just like, hold, and you dive. That's that was part of the deal too. You had to go. You know, you relied on radio stations, your friends, and shows. Um, occasionally, yeah. if you had a good record store, they would recommend stuff. But most of them, they were pushing. They're, most of them were, you know, the Quonset Hut and Acro just pushed like whatever the new. They just wanted to p move, you know, move records. They weren't a boutique to where they were saying, hey, you know, tr you know, this is the Sonny Clark album. Hey, why don't you try Cool Strutting out? You know, they're not, it wasn't like that. It was just like, you know, there's the, there's the used bin. There's the new album bin. And, you know, you know, there was just, you know. Yeah, it was just a different time, a uh, different context of how you uh, absorb music. Um, a lot of a lot of things were on the radio, so like it was either you were listening to college radio or commercial or like like I, there was a commercial new wave station on in the in the eighties. Uh, 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 what's it? WDRE yeah. in Long Island. So it's right. like so there so there were other options on discovering music, but you're right. The advent of streaming in these last few years is just you. Well, there's yeah. no there's it, there's no barrier. It's like you could seamlessly move from one thing to another yeah the you know, thing was my friend put it is like the people are missing the the tech the, the actually i was going back and forth with a friend on facebook about this my buddy tom sarna was like who used to be a dj in detroit he was saying mm. you know the kids these days are missing that aspect of the physical of standing in line for a ticket or yeah getting that album when it came out to holding the album in your hands and reading the liner notes and that kind of um physicalness that you like how you said it which i agree is just like that is a component that he kind of put it more like they're being deprived because it kind of it kind of brought it to a almost a more spiritual kind of place you know it wasn't just a commodity or something that you think you gave you know you waited in line you were the 13th caller for the free tickets you you know you you had a general mission so you had to get there a little earlier there was a whole kinds of things built around it that definitely added to the experience, which definitely it's, has lasting memories that kind of enhance, um, you know, how you see the how you see the music. It adds a different, you know, it adds a different color to 
uh, how you see that band and how your your thoughts and feelings about it as well. I think music now is an accessory for a lot of people. Not for us specifically, but for younger people, I think music is an accessory the same way they're that what they're wearing, their phone, their you know their TikTok video, whatever. It's an accessory. Uh, but like being into music, being into Susie in the '80s and stuff. It was a commitment. Right. It wasn't that's an accessory. Great... Uh, yeah. So, and that's how I look at stuff. And I and I'm not passing judgment. Young no, people, no, no. if that's how they want to, if that's how they want to digest music, that's cool. Yeah. Like I, I, but me personally, uh, I don't like to. Di- like, I like to digest music as ju- as music. Yeah. You know, and, and, and there's that, a little bit of an accessory. Right. And there's a little bit of a trade off, and you still can get vinyl. Vinyl's a much more accessible. Yeah. Than it ha- you know, yeah. and you know, it's you have choices. You know. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, my friend, I really like again, man. It's like I literally saw, you know, this 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 playlist like crumpled in the trash bin, and I, <laughs> and I was like, well, let me look at before I take out the trash. Let me look at this one more time, and I'm glad I did because it again, it there was it was a uh, it was really kind of a. And I, again, like everyone, you should take out the playlist. Other, you know, Tony will clean it up with getting the seventeen versions of Kissing for me. D- D- I think <laughs> you have you have a DJ Dilla version of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's got so many versions. Um, but it's just you know, I love to hear what everyone else thoughts about Susie and the Banshees and your experience with them. And actually, with those who don't know anything about them and listen to playlists in this episode and their thoughts about it, because. I, I like coming at with a clean slate people who are younger than us, which I think I feel there's a few of them that probably listen to the show. Like to hear what you coming into something brand new and what and what your thoughts on it, because uh, you know we don't like to live in a vacuum as much as we kind of talk like we do. Uh, but you know, we like to hear other people's opinion about this and the experience and. Uh, you know, it's it's rewarding. I mean, in fact, I had someone this week who said he listened to our Robin Trower show, and I just happened to talk to him about music. He's like, "Oh yeah, are you the guys who did the Robin Trower thing?" And it felt good because he gave me some nice feedback about the show, and uh, it was cool. But anyhow, speaking of feedback, you can if you have an idea for uh, you want to give us feedback or you want to have an idea for a show, let us know. Uh, Auto Reverse Pod at gmail.com or hit us up on our Facebook or Instagram page. Uh, and yeah. All right. right. Until next time, my friend. All right, peace.